thus saith the Lord God, shall it prosper, shall it prosper. Shall he not pull up the roots thereof, and cut off the fruit thereof, that it wither? It shall wither in all leaves of her spring, even without great power or many people to pluck it up by the roots thereof. Yea, behold, being planted, it shall it prosper. Shall it not utterly wither when the east wind toucheth it? It shall wither in the furrows where it grew. The prophet Ezekiel asked this question two times, and once in both of these verses, he asked these three words, shall it prosper? Shall it prosper? That's what I'm going to talk about tonight, that simple question, shall it prosper? Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, I thank you for your grace. My God, I'm asking that you would help us tonight. God, I pray you would anoint my mind, anoint these lips of clay, anoint, God, the ears of every one of us, Lord, as we hear the voice of the Lord go forth today. Lord, let your word find its mark in this place. Lord, under the, and let it find its place in every heart, God, under the sound of my voice tonight. Lord, I'm asking that you would allow the Holy Ghost to flow freely. God, I'm asking that you would allow your spirit, God, to step into our midst, O oh Lord. Let revelation come. We thank you for your goodness and mercy in this place tonight. You're excellent and mighty. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Shall it prosper? Now, if you've studied Ezekiel, you've studied the time span, then you're going to know exactly where I'm going with this tonight. If you've not studied this passage of Scripture before, you're probably wondering what in the world is going on tonight. That is pretty Debbie Downer verses to be reading. Shall it prosper? God spoke to Ezekiel in this passage and he told him to prophesy to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was the king of the people of the Lord at the time and the Lord showed Ezekiel a tree that was dying, a tree that was fallen over, a tree that had withered, a tree that even in the spring, was not able to grow leaves. And he saw this tree in a hopeless position. Now, I will say this a long time ago. I don't know how many years ago before we actually started the church here, this message was birthed into my heart, and, and it became, came to me because of a conversation that myself and Brother Weems had had. And he said, Brother Hilton, have you ever considered what Ezekiel was saying? He's, he's asking the question, even in its hopeless state, even in a spot where the 
it's not going to even bring forth fruit in this season. Let me ask you, O king, shall it prosper? It's a dead tree, Brother Mendez. It's one that's rotten. It is one that is uh, hollow on the inside. But yet there is still a root system. There is something down in the soil. Maybe above the ground it is fallen over and it's rotten from the inside out. But I have seen at times in my life, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't understand the whole science of it. But we have cut down trees before. Amen. We cut down below the diseased part of the tree. And the next few years we begin to see something transpire on the stump of that tree. And I, you begin to see sprouts begin to grow on the sides of the trunk. And, and the next thing you know is a few years down the road, if, if, you, if you don't do anything about those sprouts, uh, the next thing you know, tree branches are coming up out of that stump. And, 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 and so you've got to understand, the prophet Ezekiel is looking at a hopeless tree that has likely fallen over, but yet it is evident there is still something down deep, uh, amen, connected to some kind of life, uh, giving power in that tree. And he asked the, the, the king in that day and hour who had transgressed against the Lord, Zedekiah, shall it prosper? You can go through the rest of the chapter, and I'm not going to do it tonight. You can do it on your own time. Amen. But I want to encourage you. You can read through after verse 10, and you can begin to see some of the things that the, that the prophet begins to say to the king Zedekiah. And he begins to pronounce judgment because King Zedekiah chose to depend upon the horsemen and the chariots of Egypt, amen, as opposed to the arm of the Almighty God when it came to the attacks of Babylon. When instead of turning to God, Zedekiah decided, I'm going to lean upon my own understanding and I'm going to go after things my own way. And this is the reason why the, the, the prophet began to, uh, he began to depict the life of Israel at that time, Brother Mendez, as a dead tree that was fallen over and that there was no more life in that tree. Amen. But he still saw that there may be a possibility that life could come back to this old tree. Amen. Maybe God would have to start over, hope, to God that he doesn't ever have to do that. But, but there is still hope. Else I don't think that the prophet would have asked the question. Shall it prosper? Will it grow again? Will there be life in that tree again or not? Hallelujah. The Lord asked the question through the prophet's mouth. Shall it prosper? The Lord had sent Babylon to destroy them and when they did, they took the king and they took the prince.
princes captive and it looked hopeless. And so we find King Zedekiah reached out to Egypt in this time of uh, of dire need of help and, and tried to rebel and he failed utterly against Babylon. Let me tell you something. If God has sent something into your life and you don't like it too much, you fighting against it is not going to send it away. Somehow, some way, we've got to learn that when something comes into our life, uh, it, it had to go through. Uh, in fact, I think this is a new term that a lot of folks are liking to use, but they had to go through the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper of your soul is God Himself. Uh, there are times that you can understand that God, amen, just like Job. As some folks will say, why would God do something like that to his people? But let me ask you something. How else are you going to know if you got the right stuff unless you try the stuff that you've been building with? The apostle talks about that. Amen. He said you ought to be building with, with silver and gold and precious stones. He said you ought not be building with uh, wood, hay, and stubble. And, and, and he said, God's going to send things to try out the sustenance of your building. What is it that your structures are built according to? Are you building according to the solid foundation of the Word of God? Or are you taking the advice of those that don't even teach the Word of God as the unadulterated truth? Amen. Who are you turning to? Amen. As you are looking for help in life, are you looking to those? Amen. Are you looking to pop psychology? Amen. To help you through your walk with God. Let me tell you, honey, pop psychology. Amen. It, it, it does not. Amen. In, in fact, most of the time, pop psychology will begin to contradict what the Word of God has to say. Amen. I, I believe today, amen, that we ought to do nothing but go to our knees in prayer. We ought to seek godly counsel of those that we know are, are indoctrinated under, amen, the word of God. They have devoted their lives unto the word of God. Amen. If you know that they're preaching and teaching something, amen, that is not what the apostles taught. Look, let me tell you, if they're teaching and preaching, amen, something other than what these apostles taught. In Galatians, the apostle Paul said it this way. Amen. If anyone should come to you and present to you another God, than what we, uh, amen, or any angel in heaven may, amen, come. Uh, I don't care who it is, uh, whether it's us apostles, uh, but if we're contradicting what we've preached already and what's already established in the word of God, uh, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. I didn't put this in my notes, but I just want you to think about this for a minute. I read through Galatians, I don't know how many times this year, this last year, and it never ceased to amaze me every time I read through it, Brother Mendez. There was, there, that, script, that scripture was written for one purpose. Somebody had gone to the church in Galatia and said, Hey, you're not Jews, but you need to be circumcised like the Jewish people are circumcised. 
And the Apostle Paul's writing the letter in Galatians was in response to that doctrine being brought into the church of Galatia. And he said, look, brethren, you're not of Jewish descent. You're not of Judaism religion. You are a Christian. What you have now is not a covenant of skin and your own blood shedding. But it is a covenant between you and God. Amen. And it is of the circumcision of your heart. It has nothing to do with a physical circumcision. But it is a covenant between you and your Savior. Hallelujah. When we leave, when we leave that covenant, let me help you understand something tonight. I don't want to get down into the weeds and I don't want to get too grotesque, but I just want you to understand there is still covenants that must be kept. There is a covenant that God made with his people in this day and hour. It never ceased to amaze me as I go through the Bible and I began to look in the times that God calls people. And he says, he, he called Moses on the backside of the mountain. He saw a burning bush that was not consumed. And, and he, when he saw it, he said, I've got to go see what's going on. God called him that day upon that mountain. And he responded to the call of God. But before Moses could walk into Egypt and do what God called him to do, God told him, if you go to Egypt and you don't fulfill the covenant that I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm going to kill you because you're not in the will of God. You think I'm making this up? Check it out for yourself. It's right there in the book of Exodus. I, I, I want you to understand, he told them, if you try to go to Egypt and, 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 and help my people out, and you're not in covenant, uh, I don't want you there. I want to make sure that we are in covenant one with another. And so he followed through with the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God used him in a mighty way. They wandered through the wilderness for 40 years and they began to walk through and they came to the Jordan and you get to jo Joshua, I think it's chapter 1, 1, 2 or 3, uh, amen, I don't remember exactly what chapter, but one of those chapters begins to depict uh, them getting ready to go across the Jordan, uh, amen, and into the promised land. And what happened there that day was uh, that God looked at Joshua and he said, Joshua, Amen. You're not going to the promised land unless every single child of God is under the covenant that I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so they had a day where they began to go through the process of making sure they were upholding their side of the covenant with God. Yes, I'm talking about circumcision. The Bible talks about there was millions of people there at this point in time. Brother Mendez, why didn't they keep the covenant while they were traveling? It was inconvenient. 
Why, why, why didn't they obey? God was keeping up his side of the bargain. He brought them through. He, he provided manna. He provided water. In fact, he provided for them the clothing on the back. Amen. Think about that. Those kids had to grow up, but the Bible said they never had to go buy any clothing. Amen. Does that mean that the clothes grew with the children? Did the shoes grow with their feet? I don't know, but the Bible clearly tells us that the clothes on their back and the shoes on their feet did not wear out the entire time that God was leading them through the wilderness. God's blessings were there, Reagan. They were there the entire time. But the people didn't even bother to make sure that they kept up their side of the bargain. They didn't even bother trying to make sure that we were under the covenant just like my father Abraham and my father Isaac and Jacob. But hey, buddy, those are their fathers. In fact, the Bible tells me, uh, amen, I was reading through my Bible reading, I think it was this morning, uh, maybe it was yesterday, I don't remember exactly what day, but, um, but it came across the passage and, and, the, and the Pharisees came to Jesus and you know what they said? We have Abraham to our father. We have Abraham to our father. And do you know what Jesus responded? <laughs> if Abraham is your father, then you would do the things that Abraham did. What he said. We say that God is our father. That we have a covenant with our father through a mediator, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But if he's our father, are we doing what our father did? Are we, my goodness, are we maintaining the covenant on our side? I, 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 it, it's Bible, so you're just going to have to ride with me. I, the scriptures teach that, that circumcision was a messy job, and, 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 and it was bloody, and, and it also required that you kept things clean for quite some time. Else infection would set in and, and, and you understand all of this stuff. But what if we take that same concept and we put it upon the circumcision of our heart? We have to go through the surgical process uh, when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, of Him removing uh, the hard, calloused, uh, amen, hardness of our heart uh, so that our, our, our hearts will become now something that is uh, sensitive to him and we've got to do our best to make sure we go back and we keep our heart clean and we keep it ready so that it does not become infected with sin it does not become infected with distraction and that we focus on him entirely You can read through this entire chapter of Ezekiel. I'm going somewhere, so just hold, hold tight, and I'll be there in a minute. You can read through that entire chapter, but if you get down to verse 22, those first two verses, they sound, they sound dreary. They sound droll. They sound like there's no hope whatsoever. But if you get to verse 22, I want you to see what God said. He said, Thus saith the Lord God. This is Ezekiel still speaking. I will also... Oh, I will take the highest branch of the highest cedar and I will set it, I will crop it off 
from the top of his young twigs. Maybe that old tree that used to be standing is no longer going to survive. Shall it prosper? But I got some plans, honey. I'm going to take something from a live tree and I'm going to plant it and I'm going to put it amen, in a spot and it says in, from the top of his young twigs, a tender one, and I will plant it upon a high mountain and an imminent mountain. And in the mountain of the height of Israel will I plant it. And it shall bring forth boughs and bear fruit and be a goodly cedar. And under it shall dwell all fowl of every wing in the shadow of the branches thereof shall they dwell. It's going to be a massive tree. It's going to be one that's beautiful. It's going to be one that's fruitful. It's going to be one that provides shade for those that need it. And all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, have brought down the high tree and have exalted the low tree and have dried up the green tree and have made the dry tree to flourish. Amen. Shall it prosper? Yeah, it shall prosper. My God said I can make that dry tree Come back to life. I, the Lord, have spoken. And he said, I didn't just say it, but I will do it. I will do it, he said. That's the God that I serve. So you say, pastors, all, all the things that you said thus far sound droll. How can I do these things of my own accord? Well, my answer is you can't, my friend. You can't do it, nor can I. I need the help of the Holy Ghost. I need the strength of uh, the power of God. Amen. You say, how can I continue on in my walk with God? How can I continue to grow? How can I continue to make sure that there is life and that it doesn't even look like it's about to fall over and die? Amen. And just simply say, hey, I still have faith that God will see me through. Hallelujah. I began thinking today... Uh, I had to go to this town and I ended up spending the day at my brother's house until I, I was able to make it back home. Had a car, I had to get a car taken care of in the shop and he and I were talking today and I began thinking. I began thinking. He was telling me some of the things he's preached over the last few weeks and great great messages that I've heard of. I don't know. I haven't heard them yet myself. I intend to go listen in and find out what he had to say. But we had some conversations today. And I, I'm slowing down because I, I, want, I want this to settle into your hearts because I want you to catch what I'm talking about. The other day, this actually triggered in my mind as I was talking to my son. I don't know what we were talking about. doesn't really matter at this point in time. I just looked at him and I would jokingly said, Mateo, I looked at him, I, I, I said as a joke, I said, man, Ed, you're doing that because you're just carnal. You just got a carnal mind, son. You know what, you, do you know what it means to have a carnal mind, Mateo? No? Well, that was the next question that was asked. I think you girls were there maybe. We had this conversation, and as we were talking, 
I said, well, man, I've, I've explained carnality before from the pulpit, but man, it sure is a little bit more difficult trying to explain it without. I mean, some of us understand the, the, the language of, well, it's just, it's, it's the opposite of God. It means, but what does that mean? What, what does that really mean? And I began thinking about this. The Bible tells us to be carnally minded is enmity against God. It cannot, the Bible said, be subject to the law of God. That's what the scripture tells us. So to be carnally minded would be, can I say it this way? To have a selfish mindset. Let me ask you something. If you're focused on self and what I like, how can you be living and obeying what God likes and what God desires? If all that I'm focused on is satisfying my desire and what I enjoy to do. That means, guess what? I like to get up. My favorite meal of the whole day is breakfast. I don't eat breakfast very often, but when I do, I like to eat breakfast. I like to eat, period. I like to eat ice cream. Those of you that know me know that sometimes on Wednesday nights, I pack up the family and we just drive all the way to 159th Street for one purpose, and that's to get Andy's frozen custard. And I get a jitterbug with extra cookie dough. Good. I'm hungry. I want some Andy's, but I'm not going to go to Andy's tonight. I'm going to go see my buddy that's sick at home. I love to do that. I love spending time with my family. I love to be entertained. I love good singing. I love to, I love just to grab my phone and just disconnect for a while from, from just work and making decisions and just play a, play a small game that doesn't take much mind power and, and just, just disconnect for a few minutes. But my friend, there's nothing wrong with any of what I just talked about. But if it consumes you, and that's all you want to do. Again, here I am. Sunday I talked about church attendance. Tonight I'm going to talk about church attendance. I'm not mad at anybody that's sick. I'm not mad at anybody, period, right now. I understand the weather. I understand sickness. But what I'm concerned about, the scripture says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And then the next verse said, if we sin willfully. Not my words, it's what the scriptures teach us. 
that if we're not attending church, that we are willfully sinning in doing that act of not attending. Now, granted, life happens, but something's got to change, folks. Something's got to get down inside of our hearts that says, I love God so much, I want to be in his presence. I want to spend time with my Savior. I've seen time after time that God begins to move into situations in people's lives. They become comfortable and they become satisfied with where they're at spiritually. And they take, if you can let me use this analogy, they reach down on the gear shifter and they're, they're seemingly going downhill in their walk with God and, and they feel like, you know, it's going to be all right if we just coast a while and save some fuel. And I don't, I'm tired of fighting and I'm tired of pressing on and we just reach down and we just shove it into neutral and just let her coast. Can I sound the sound of warning tonight? I've seen too many times people that have shifted down into neutral. That yeah, they were coasting pretty good for a while, but then all of a sudden heels begin to pop up in front of them and they lose the momentum that they had. And they don't make it up the other side. And I've watched them fall away from God because they became too comfortable with where they were with God. This is not the direction I intended to go tonight, where we're at right now. My question to you is, have you shifted into neutral? Are you just coasting in your spirit right now? Or are you putting it down into drive and taking every advantage of this slope that you're going down so we can make it on the other side of the hill that we're about to approach. I'm asking you, my friend, my brother, my sister, are you willing to say, God, take this self out of my mind and help me to become Heavenly minded, help me God to do what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5, walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not necessarily the fact that you are constantly warring good and evil, but it is those two things fighting in your mind for dominance in your life. The Apostle Paul said, in my mind, in my members, there are warring two fashion, factions and I need the help of God to make sure the right one wins. You've heard me say it time and time again that that old chief was talking to the young brave and he said, son, you've got inside of you a white dog and a black dog that are fighting for dominance inside of your life. And he said, if you, amen, if you will, amen, 
uh, if you're not careful, the black dog referencing, uh, uh, representing uh, uh, evilness in the life of men, uh, that that one dog will win if you're not careful. And the young brave looked at him and said, Oh, chief, tell me, what can I do to make sure that the right dog wins? And he said, Whichever one that you feed the most is the one who will win. Which one's going to win? Who under the sound of my voice? I know I'm not stupid. I know. I know what I feel in my spirit. God's calling. But many of us say, man, Pastor, it's not convenient. It's it's rough sometimes pushing on in life and trying to hold on to everything we got with God and life keeps coming at us and dealing this blow and that blow. Can I ask you a question? I know I haven't taught on it a lot, but it's time for us to start digging. And that is, when's the last time you spent any time fasting? I heard, I heard somebody teach it this way one time, that fasting was that, that thing that, that gave you the power to overcome spiritual war, spirits in, in, in spiritual warfare. And Brother Mendez, I can't agree with that teaching. Yeah, I get where they're coming from. Jesus said uh, when he delivered that boy from the demon that he was possessed with, he told his disciples, this kind doesn't go but by prayer and fasting. You say, well, what does it mean, Pastor? Well, it's really rather simple. Jesus wasn't saying you need to fast so you have the power to overcome, uh, you, you have the power to overcome devils. But he did say, fasting is the method in which you're destroying the fleshly, selfish influence in your life. As a direct result of you surrendering yourself 100% to God, you then have the power. Can I emphasize that again? The power, not your power, but you have the power of the Spirit of God to throw those things down, to, to destroy every effect that hell has upon your life. That is what fasting does for you. Let me ask you a question. Just thoughts. I want you to, I want you to consider with me. You've read where Paul wrote down all of his sufferings. Let me ask you a question. If, an, if in a prideful man had come into those situations, how do you think he would have survived? He would have rose up. Who do you think I am? Do you even know who I am? Throughout my life, I've heard too many Christians use those very terms. I'm sorry, I love each and every one of you, I respect you all. But can I say this in all due respect? 
I don't care who you are. The one that I do care who he is, is Jesus. And let me ask you this. I don't care who you are or what you've done in life or what what kind of background that you have. I just want to know one thing. Is he in control? Are you in covenant with the one who is in control of all things? I'm not trying to be mean or rude this evening. I hope I'm not coming across that way. I'm hoping to prod in some of us to say, hey, here, God still loves you. God still wants you like he's never had you in any time of your life. God loves you. And God wants to use you. But first, you've got to go through a brokenness. You've got to reach a place of brokenness. Not shattered, not not destroyed. That's not what I'm talking about. And as I'm closing this evening, I want you to consider this with me. How do you think David would have been as king if he did not have a King Saul to humiliate him? Let me take it a step further. How do you think King Saul would have reigned if King Saul would have had a Saul in his life? My God wants to use you, but he wants someone who is not selfish. He wants someone who is not carnally minded. He's looking for someone, and he's asking tonight of each and every one of your hearts, Are you going to introspect yourself today? Pastor, I've done a lot of that over the last few services. You've asked us to dig deep. I'm still asking, church. We haven't reached the place where God wants us to be yet. And until that I see guests walking through the back door by droves, or even if I see one, if I see one, then I won't be preaching to the church that night. I'm going to be preaching to the sinner because I want to see him filled with the Holy Ghost. But tonight, I've got church folks on my mind. God wants to use you. Are you willing to cry out to the Lord? I know most of us aren't here tonight. So that means most of us can't come and get a hold of these altars tonight. But my question to you today is, can you find an altar right where you're at today? And can you ask the Lord, God, I need your help. And God, I want to make sure that I am in covenant with you. I want to renew that covenant right here and right now. The altars are open tonight. If you want to get a hold of the Lord for a little while, I'm asking you, why don't you find you a place to pray and say, God, here I am. Lord, it shall prosper. 
God, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I prosper. But the number one thing that I can do is to yield 100% to you and allow your spirit, God, to have its way. Oh, Jesus, I love you today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in this place tonight. Oh, we exalt you and we magnify you in this sanctuary today, Jesus. Oh, we magnify you, Lord. We exalt you, Jesus. Take me and mold me. Make me the vessel you need me to be today, Lord. We exalt you today, Jesus. We glorify your holy name tonight. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. Oh, there is no one like you, Lamb of God. Oh, I need you, Savior, I need you, Savior. Oh, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you. Oh, there is no one holy like you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord. I worship you, God, I worship you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I worship you, Jesus.
magnify you, Jesus. Oh, you're worthy to be praised today. I love you, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. Thank you for your goodness. I surrender everything to him today. Amen. He is my all. He is my everything. Praise God. Amen. Well, thank you again for being here this evening. Thank you for listening online. And uh, I pray everybody gets well by Sunday. We can come and be together once again. What a time we had in the Holy Ghost on Sunday. Amen. Hearing everybody singing and lifting their voices unto the Lord. Amen. What a beautiful sound it was, amen, to hear each and every one of you worshiping the Lord together. I'm looking forward to that yet again. I uh, just wanted to, as, in, as a way of, uh, way of announcements, just very quickly, uh, this coming Sunday after service, my wife and kids and I will be flying out. Uh, we're going to take... Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we'll be coming home Thursday night. Um, we're just going to spend a little time together as a family. Uh, and then uh, I was able to get off of work for that amount of time, my wife as well. And so I'm looking forward to just having some time to get away. Um, and then <clears throat> when we return, there will be um, on February the 10th, there is a youth Valentine's banquet in Olathe. Um, on February 22nd, 23rd, there is a youth service, which is going to be held that Friday night in Olathe. Um, we will also be having a youth rally in March, a youth service in March on the 22nd. And this is going to be up in Smithville at Brother uh, Farrell's church. And then the following month in April, the 26th, we will be having it in our church uh, again. And I'm looking forward to those times. Um, as soon as we get home from uh, this trip, uh, I want to have probably the Wednesday night that we return. Uh, I will send out a message to everybody, but it, that Wednesday night that we return from this trip, following that return, we'll have church that Sunday. Then the following Wednesday, we will just have a church meeting that night as opposed to a service, and that way we can put together the plans and that everybody can be on the same page. So for all of you listening online, those of you that are interested in being involved in that, uh, I would encourage you to be here that night. Um, we will be making plans. I'll, I'll do my best to remember to announce this in services as they come up in the next few days. Amen. We love you. Thank you for listening in tonight. Just now seeing Sister Amy posted here that she was sick tonight as well. And so praying that everybody gets well uh, by Sunday. Amen. Looking forward to seeing what God has in store. We love you all. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.